This is the Fail Fast Podcast. Stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up. With your host, the online sales master, Quinn Amorum. Welcome to the Fail Fast Podcast. Today, we have a guest who is a college dropout and the owner of an Inc. 5000 company. His company, Quest Education, is ranked 296th of the fastest growing companies in America. How cool is that? Let us welcome Daniel Blue. What's up, Daniel? Hey, Quinn. How are you? Thank you again for uh, bringing me on this show. Love what you're doing and uh, appreciate it. Well, Daniel, it's my pleasure to have you here. And, you know, of course, I want to talk about your company, what it does and how you achieve such insane growth. But before let's break down a bit who you are, and let's hear your story. Yeah, so uh, I'm 29 years old, and uh, I got started in the sales game when I was 18, and uh, was was struggling to find a, a path in, in my life. I was going to college my freshman year, and uh, didn't really know what I was going to do. Right, there's so many people out there that that go to school, and they have no idea what degree they're going to get, or even if they get a degree, what they're going to do with that degree. So I was uh, at that stage, right, first year in, in college, not really knowing. And uh, got introduced to sales, got introduced to getting on the phone and, and doing a lot of outbound calling and um, understanding how, how that uh, industry works. And uh, I never thought that that would be, you know, the, the cultivating ground for me to own my own business and, and you know, have a team and, and do something where it can be scalable. Nice. You founded this company, is that right? Uh, yeah, Qu- yeah, Quest Education, yes. Um, but I, I can't take all the credit. You know, I've had a, a lot of uh, mentors and, and you know people that have helped me along the way. And uh, it it really comes down to you. You can't do everything by yourself. You know, we we like to think that we can do everything by ourselves, um, but it comes down to teamwork. You know, it comes down to getting the right people um, on the bus and getting them in the right seats to, to be able to perform and uh, to be able to have a, a mission that everyone can buy into. Perfect. I see you got the right mentality. That's one of the points, I guess, that took you there so quick. So this started as I self direct. It had mm-hmm. a different name. Yeah. So uh, interesting, you know, story. A little bit about myself. Um, when I was eighteen, nineteen years old, um, I ended up having a daughter. Um, I was addicted to oxycotton, and uh, I was living in Utah, and I needed to make a change. So I ended up moving to Las Vegas, and. Uh, I got a job in, in, in sales. Um, so from 18 years old to about 24, 25, um, I was selling coaching, e-commerce coaching, real estate coaching, uh, different types of coaching programs. And um, money was good, but the fulfillment wasn't good to, to be transparent. I, I felt like I really wasn't helping people. Uh, the fulfillment was crap. And uh, I wouldn't even have sold the, the program to my mom to, to be 100% transparent. Um, when I first started the business, I thought I was doing a good service and helping people. Um, but as I started to learn more about the fulfillment and behind the scenes, I started realizing, man, I'm, I'm not really helping people um, the way I want to. So I, uh, I quit a six-figure job uh, when I was about 24, 25. And then I became a W-2 employee for a company called iSelfDirect. iSelfDirect was in the, the business of educating folks on self-direct retirement accounts. And I was able to take the the knowledge and skills I, I developed in sales and being able to run um, teams and, and manage people. And I took that and applied it to iSelfDirect and uh, started from the very bottom there, right? We all think that, okay, you know, we, we work for someone and we make really good money. 
and then we go do something else, it should be an easy transition. We all know it doesn't usually work that way out, right? When you go for a new company, you got to start at the bottom. You know, you got to set aside your ego and say, hey, okay, say, I'm going to start from a place where I don't think I should be. I think I should, if I was at a company doing this up here, and if I start a new company, work for someone else, I should start here too, right? It doesn't always work that way. You got to yeah. start at the bottom. You got to do the little things, the elementary things. So I started setting appointments. You know, I was used to closing deals and now I'm working for a different company. I'm just a peon scheduling appointments and not closing deals like I used to. But um, I stayed the course and I was able to build a team and move up to closing deals, moving up to running the sales floor, running the company. And I eventually became, um, you know, uh, a partner in, in the company in terms of being able to, you know, run things um, with a partner. And uh, it's, it's been a great thing since. And then uh, why the rebranding when you, and why the name Quest Education? Well, when, when I became a, you know, 100% owner, um, I, I wanted to have a, a fresh start. Um, you know, I self-direct wasn't something that, you know, I founded, I became an employee first. So mm -hmm. uh, being a hundred percent owner, um, I wanted to have something that was a fresh start. And I really liked the name quest, you know, because we help people with retirement accounts and everyone's different, right? You've got someone that is 35 doing their thing in retirement accounts. And you've got someone that's 50 doing this over here with retirement accounts. Some people have debt. Some people need business funding. Some people like real estate. So we're all on a, a different quest financially. And I have found that self-directed retirement accounts typically can provide a solution for people um, to accomplish some of their financial goals as they're on their quest. Nice. So, and when a rebranding happens, normally it's uh, somewhat of a scary process because it can go well, it could go badly because you already have a an audience or a customer base that knows somewhat knows you or trusts you did, did was that scary process and did it all go well no i mean it uh yes scary and and no it wasn't a walk in the park um one regret that i have one area that i really failed in was my lack of knowledge in the credit game right people i know for me i i was under the impression Man, I'm making 1099 commissions. I'm in sales. You know, this is when I was an employee. I don't need credit. I don't need credit cards. I got cash. You know, I'm making 1099 commission. I don't need credit. So I never paid attention to my credit and building my credit score. But then when I got thrown in the the business owner uh, seat, I realized, man, credit's king. You you need to have leverage. You know, there's good debt. There's bad debt. Right. We should not use credit cards to go blow our money on liabilities on things that are going to make us money but I use credit cards all the time for, for our business, right? If, if I can get an ROI on it, if I'm leveraging it for marketing or for, you know, product or, you know, whatever the, the ROI is, you need to have leverage. You need to have the bank's money at your disposal. Um, I was late to that game and that, that did hurt me. Um, we've been able to overcome it, but shoot, it cost me a lot of time and money. And that's, that's one thing I recommend. If anyone doesn't have a 700 credit score, you need to have a credit score in that range. Um, you need to make sure that you, your credit is in a good spot. Even if you're not a business owner right now, when you launch your own business, you're going to want capital. You're going to need resources. And the bank is a great place to get it because you can just use other people's money. Absolutely. That's, uh, I can vouch for that because the way, and I grew up in Europe, and the way it kind of worked, the credit was a little bit different. And it was seen as a bad thing. You know, the mentality of, credit cards being a bad thing and when i started doing business and i finally found out that 
if I have, and I have a pretty good credit score, and I have a credit card that uh, basically is at like 7%, 7 or 8%, which is pretty good, and I was not using it for business. And then uh, finally somebody told me, like, uh, if you have margins of above 20% and you have a credit card that's charging you 8 why are why aren't you using other people's money? And basically my return would be way quicker, basically bi-weekly, about 22% of selling stuff, right? And it was something that because of the way you are trained, I guess the program that you that you got installed when you were a kid, that was ingrained in me and i guess a lot of people suffer from that as well yeah i mean there, there's the uh, the old saying you know those who understand interest they earn it those that don't lose it you know mm-hmm. and uh you definitely need to know the numbers for sure because you know what you just described is a 12 percent spread right you're making 12 percent on your money even after paying the bank so mm-hmm. it's uh it, it can definitely work out you just need to be in very intentional in, in how you use credit Unfortunately, the way, um, especially here in America, right, they always want to show the shiny objects and they want us to get into negative debt. But uh, people need to be smarter than that. Nice. So you mentioned that you were 100% owner. And are you still, did you get any funding? Yeah, no. I uh, Back to my point, as far as not having the best credit, um, I've got my, my wife in the office right now. She does our, our bookkeeping. Um, I got lucky, man. My, my wife had really good credit. And uh, we leveraged the crap out of her credit, you know, when uh, when that transition happened. So, uh, no, we didn't take on any investors, no debt or equity partners. Uh, we really just bootstrapped it. And uh, my, my wife really helped me out with that. I had to use a bunch of my savings. So between my savings and, uh, you know, her credit, uh, we were able to really inject the necessary capital to, you know, be able to get to where we are today and, and very blessed to have a team that we can scale and uh, you know help as many people as we can in, in the retirement account world. That's that's fantastic, man. That's really great. So just so the listeners can have an idea of kind of like the company's growth and size, are you comfortable sharing with us? I know when you started 2014, your revenue was 114 grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you share with us what, kind of what your projection is for 2019? Yeah, so we're we're floating around, uh, you know two to 2.5 million a year in, in revenue um you know just being fully transparent it uh as you grow and and, and get bigger it's, it's harder to scale right it's a lot easier to scale yes. a company that's doing a hundred thousand and get it to a million but it's a lot harder to scale a company that's at 10 million to get it to 30 million right so you know we're, we're at a point right now where we just have to get over that hump and uh i see the future i, I see what we need to do and it really comes down to culture it comes down to the core processes and, and having the right management in place and the right mission. Um, it's really easy when you have one, two, five employees and, and you're just kind of winging it. Right. And, and we did that for a while. Um, but then once you start getting 10, 12, 13, we're at 15 employees right now, you have to have structure. You know, you have to have uh, an accountability chart, core processes, a culture, who's doing what, when are they going to do it? Accountability. Uh, goals, uh, metrics that you really watch and hold accountable. So um, I know if we keep doing those things, that's how we're going to be able to to keep growing because um, I, I want to be able to, to keep scaling this company and, and keep growing. But what, we're, what we did when we were doing 100, 200, $300,000 a year, a year in revenue compared to what we're doing now when we're at 2 million, mm-hmm. we, we can't act like a company doing 
$300,000 a year. You, you have to evolve. If you don't evolve, you're just going to keep being in the same position. Absolutely. If you're not growing, you're dying, right? Um, Are you the leader of your organization? Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm both the integrator and uh, visionary of the company. So uh, blessed to have you know, a, a team work around me, work with me um, to you know, carry, carry the vision of this company. Nice. And uh, you also have a 10-year-old. Is that challenging, balancing entrepreneurship in your business life with uh, fatherhood? Yeah. I mean, I I don't believe in balance, man. Balance, you you go on social media or podcasts, people talk about balance all day. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing. It's uh, (laughs) it's a a phallus, right? We're going to spend more of our time at work more than anywhere. Um, yep. and then we got to sleep too, right? So between work and sleep, that's probably what 60, 70, 80% of your, your time right there. There's no balance. Um, so I, I have to accept that I'm not going to be able to see my daughter as much as I work, right? I'm going to see her less, but I have to make a point that I block time out. You know, I live my life by calendar. So I block time out. I'm very intentional. Okay. Monday night is dad daughter time. I might not be able to get that dad daughter time until later that week. But Monday, that those two hours, no phone. We go do something. We walk the dogs. We go rollerblading. You know, it's it's all eyes on her. Um, so there is no balance. To answer your question, it is challenging because um, it, it takes an effort. It takes me putting aside time, and it's got to be personal things first, and then work. Right. So I I I, I, cha- or yeah, I schedule time with my daughter. I got date night with my wife. You know, I, that non negotiable. Right. Once a week, I got to have date night with her. That's on the calendar. I don't do those things then I'm going to fill up my calendar with other things that don't involve my daughter and my wife. And if I'm not in a good place with my wife and my daughter, then it's going to make it really hard doing what I'm doing right now in the office. I love that. I love that, Daniel, because I started and it was actually not too long ago. So I feel like I lost a little bit by not doing that until recently, but what matters is that I'm doing it now and I actually literally go schedule into my calendar so nobody else can take that time from yeah. me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Non-negotiable. I mean, that's family is, is everything, right? I mean, I know you got kids, you know, married life. That that life is just that's everything. I mean, that's it's it's our why. It's what we why we do what we do. Absolutely. So now let's get into the, the question, like the juicy question, like that everybody wants to replicate. Of course, you're one of the top uh growing companies in the country. Right, number two hundred and ninety-six of the fastest growing. How do you do that, and how can I replicate that? So, I think number one, you got to reverse engineer it. Right, it's what problem are you going to solve? Okay, being a business owner, we all have the same issues in terms of growing and employees and culture. It's all the same, but the problems are different in terms of what solutions are you providing to the marketplace. So, you got to be really, really clear on what issue, what problem you're solving in the marketplace. For us, we're very intentional. The main issues that we solve for people, number one, we help them get out of debt. I can't tell you how many people I talk to that have an IRA where they're in a mutual fund making them five or 7% a year. And then their credit card debt's costing them 20% in interest. You're losing money faster than you're making money in that situation. So we solve that problem by helping them understand that there's other retirement accounts other than an IRA that allow you to access your capital, your retirement account dollars without paying the penalties and taxes so you can pay off debt. That's a huge problem we solve for people. Another big problem we solve is people need funding. Business owners need funding. 
So we're very intentional about who our audience is. Our audiences are business owners because the IRS allows business owners to access retirement accounts that are unique to just business owners. So we work with business owners. The two main problems we solve is getting out of debt, getting business funding, and then showing them how they can access their retirement account dollars without paying the penalties and taxes. That That's huge because so many people are under the assumption that I can't touch my IRA. I can't touch my 401k because I'm going to get nailed in penalties and taxes. That's not true. So we're, we're very intentional in terms of what problems that we're going to solve. And then you have to show value. We educate these people on how this all works. So then that way we can pull back the curtain and say, hey, here's how we can solve your problem. Here's the steps that we would take. Are you in or are you out? If you're out, hey, at least you have the knowledge to move forward whenever you'd like. If you're in, our team can take you by the hand, walk you through this process and make it nice and seamless. Do you find that everybody knows that they have the problem? Because sometimes, and this may be a different case, but sometimes you have to tell the person first that they have a problem and then you got to teach them how to fix it. And that's the hard part, right? Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And that's where our, our the sales skills comes in. It, it amazes me that so many people say, I, I'm not good at sales. You know, I hate sales. You got to change that mindset because life is sales. If, if you don't embrace that, it's going to be tough to run a business because if you're not selling a product or a service, you got to sell yourself, right? You have to get people to buy into you. So life is sales. You're right. Some people, they don't know you. They, ha they don't know they have a problem until they talk to you. And that's one thing that we're, we're really good at is we have, you know, a staff that can talk to people and ask questions, find out their goals. What are they trying to accomplish? Where are they trying to go? What are they trying to do? What's their plan? And through conversations, that's when questions get asked, responses are, are, are given. You got to listen, right? We got two ears, one mouth for a reason. So people mm -hmm. will tell you their problem if you are patient enough to listen and ask the right questions. So Daniel, this is just my personal opinion, but I believe that society is starved with, with hope when it comes to financial freedom. And so we see everybody starts following in social media the the gurus out there that taking the pictures in front of the, their Lamborghini, the pictures in front of their private jet. And this is kind of creating, I don't know, a false, a false expectation of, of their freedom. Uh, do you believe that this is maybe one of the causes for all this debt? You know, it, um, it, it, it comes, that's a tough question because we're in an era where I didn't grow up with technology in the sense of like Facebook. I'm kind of like on that borderline of millennial, right? Mm -hmm. But now with social media and technology, you know, people can become more successful in a shorter period of time in a way that you couldn't do this 10, 20 years ago. So we can't dispute that. Um, but at the same time, people love to just see the finished product and then they don't pay attention to, hey, what was this person doing behind the scenes? What were they doing when you were sleeping? What were they doing when you were on vacation? What were they doing when you were watching Netflix? Right? So we have so many distractions in front of us where it's easy to take your eye, eye off the, the ball. It's easy to lose focus. Um, but I do think there's a lot of false expectations out there when it comes to entrepreneurship. Um, I think there's a lot of people out there that they don't know really what it really takes to run a business where you're making decisions all day, every day. And these decisions are aligned with people's lives, right? You're impacting people's lives. 
and you're going to make good decisions. You're going to make bad decisions, but you have to make decisions. You got to be willing to take stress. You got to be willing to get punched in the mouth. Uh, Mike Tyson has that really good saying where mm. everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And I love that <laughs> yeah. saying because that's so true. Yes, yes, I love that. <laughs> that's actually one of my favorites as well. Yeah, and it's very true that people love talking about the overnight success and luck. That's another factor in there. But I believe that like we make our own luck by by chasing the opportunities and working hard and hard work and failures, kind of a mixture of that. So when you were building Quest Education, this was, of course, you were sit, you were watching Netflix and this became an overnight success without hard work? Yeah, no way, man. <laughs> I feel like uh, what really paved my way for this, um, because I, I face challenges every day, I still do. It's not a walk in the park, but really what paved the way for me to get to this point is you know, being on drugs, you know, I was on Oxycontin from 18 to 20, for two years, all day, every day. That was my nasty habit. It cost me thousands of dollars, cost me friendships, cost me a lot of time, probably my health. Um, but being a slave to something and, and being hooked to drugs um, and being able to get clean, this November will be 10 years I've been clean. Um, it, it showed me that, okay, if I can get past this, I can get past anything, man. It, it, we all have challenges. Just because you did, just because you got hooked on drugs, doesn't mean the listeners out there. You probably have something that is really, really daunting, a huge obstacle, big challenge that you overcame. And you got to remember that. You know, it's all what's in our head. Um, drugs, it's all in your head. You know, it really. Yeah. Sure, there are some withdrawals I went through because oxycontin is part of an opiate, right? Pretty much heroin. So I was throwing up. I was going through withdrawals, um, but. Once you go through that, it's all mental. It's all in your head. And uh, so if, if you can fail, I, I, I love the fact that, you know, I went through the recession. Um, I bought a house in 2007, had a short sell in 2008, 2009, got my ass kicked. Hopefully that's okay to use that word. Got my butt kicked. And uh, then I was on drugs. Then I had a daughter at 19. I wasn't planning on having a kid. But shoot, man, going through the recession, losing my house, being on drugs, having my daughter, I feel like that that calloused me and, and gave me some mental fortitude to here I am now where it's like, okay, bring it on. Man, I love I love what you did in, in the mentality. There's just one thing that sounds a bit counterintuitive is the fact that you had a addiction and at, that was the time when you moved to Las Vegas. Isn't that kind you know, of it's, what it you is, shouldn't do? Yeah, it's, but I feel like that even tested me even more. You know, because now I'm in a place where I have temptation left and right. Um, but I was on a mission, man. I just knew um, it's crazy. The way I got clean was it was November. Um, and my daughter was six months and it was Thanksgiving. And I wasn't able to find my, my supply. I wasn't able to get my pills. And no one was picking up the phone. You know, all the drug dealers were, you know, having Thanksgiving dinner. And here I was trying to, to score and no one was picking up the phone. And I'm like, man, here I am trying to get high and it's Thanksgiving and my daughter is six months old. Like, what am I doing with my life? Like, this is not what she deserves. Um, so I made a decision to just quit. I knew I needed to change the scenery, get, lose people's numbers, get out of there, have a new, uh, this was in St. George, Utah. So just geographically, it's only two hours away from Las Vegas. And I knew I could get, find some work in Las Vegas. And I thought about it. I'm like, man, Las Vegas is Sin City. Um, is this the right move? But I thought, you know, I, I, I already know that path. 
is not a good path. So it doesn't matter where you put me. You can put me in West Virginia, Oklahoma, Las Vegas, California. If I'm going to stay true to, to my word, then I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter. You can put any temptation in front of me. I, you know, so it's been 10 years and shoot, Vegas is just another city to me. Um, I've already been through that and lived it through all of that. So I, I don't succumb to the temptation. Very good. And we often hear people talking about when they're at their all time low, basically, and whatever gets them going is when they find their why. Uh, do you think that was one of those moments? And maybe your daughter yeah, was your why? A hundred percent. You know, um, my, my father, he moved to Mexico when I was 13. Um, so my mom raised me after that and it's pretty tough, you know, because, uh, it is what it is, right. When, when mm -hmm. you're at that age, you, you probably want to have a father to lean on and, and not having that bless my mom's heart. She worked, took care of the house, but it was tough for her to do it on her own. So I held on to a lot of resentment and, uh, I was scared when I had a kid. So I'm like, man, I don't really know how to be a dad. You know, I wasn't planning on this. I was on drugs. Um, you know, I still had a lot of resentment for my father. I thought, you know, this is, there's a reason why I, I do believe in God and uh, I believe in a higher power. And there's a reason why I have this, this little girl that's mine, that's my blood. And uh, I, I'm going to show her the right way to do things. And my dad taught me some good things when I was younger, but then he also showed me what not to do. So I said, you know what, Th this is, this is for a reason. Um, I was meant to have a, a daughter at 19. And yeah, so uh, I think wise can be, be, be put in front of you and it's up to yeah. you to, to see that. And, and really think about it and it be something that you, you, you think about and you think, okay, I either take action and accept it or you know what? No, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Absolutely. So going back into business, you, you use tools now like growth tools, software and all that stuff. Kind of what is your, your favorite tools to use daily? Well, I think it's really important. We're, you know, in a, a day and age where technology is, is so, so critical. So I think you got to have a CRM, right? Our yep. CRM is, is our, it's our artery, right? It's, it's, it's the core system where we can document everything, pull reports. Um, you know, it's funny when I first got in, in business and sales, you know, 18, 19 years old, they used to walk around and give me paper leads. Hey, here are your 50 leads as we call them, you know, and I would write on the leads and I'd use sticky notes and, uh, I, I didn't use a computer. Um, so it, it blows my mind how, how wasteful we were and, and not efficient back then, but now it's, Hey, everything is measured. So you, if you don't have a CRM, you're really behind and you really need to, if you use a CRM, you know, make sure fusion Sob, Zoho Salesforce, make sure you're using all the bells and whistles there because it can make life easy as far as seeing dashboards and metrics and, you know, who's doing what, when is it getting done and really being able to see the numbers because, uh, especially as salespeople, we'd rather get on the phone. We'd rather get a commission and sell numbers kind of just bore us. I know for me, I've had to really train myself where it's like, Hey, I got to understand that the devil's in the details. I need to get better at looking at the numbers. Um, so I've been making a conscious effort of doing that, you know, over the last few years. So I'm not just winging it. Yes. Yes. And I, I love the fact you mentioned that you, you spend a lot of time on the phone and that's kind of what, what the good salesman uh, would love to do. Cause I find that today, a lot of these new marketers that, that are popping up every day, the new marketing agencies that do not want to be on the phone and they rather have a cold email send out to, to the masses with, you know, zero engagement. Maybe, uh, do you still use the phone today? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, that, that's been probably the, 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 one of the top contributors, you know, why we've been able to, you know, be a company that, that generates seven figures in revenue is, 
you know, we've got uh, customers in all 50 states um, and all of these customers have, have worked with us over the years where we got their business over the phone. You know, we talked to them about their retirement accounts and doing business with us over the phone. And uh, so we, uh, that's why I'm really bullish in our company. Um, last year, we didn't really have any presence online. I just barely jumped on social media last June. Um, and I realized, I'm like, man, I'm old school. Like I, I, I get, you know, data from different referral partners and I take that data and I throw it on my sales floor and, you know, we smile and dial. We have uh, goals for how many dials we're going to make a day and how much talk time we're going to make. Um, but I can't just rely on that business model. I need to branch out and, and, and do, you know, have a website and do social media and, you know, mm -hmm. really using technology a lot more. So we, we've been doing that a lot more over the last year, but uh, absolutely the phone is our core process. I mean, that's how we do customer service for our existing customers. That's how we acquire new um, customers. And, and when you are on the phone with somebody, you can really, really build rapport, right? You can really hear the tone in their voice. You yeah. can hear and listen to their objections. And when they pause, are they hesitant? Are they excited? Are they confident? You know, it, it's that's how I got started in business when I was 18. And I took that and implemented it here. And I feel like it's, it's, it's served as well. Yeah. And it also gives you a chance to kind of combat those objections that they may have on the phone while in call email, there's, there's no coming back. There's no yeah. fixing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So before uh, I want to talk about a, a, a failure you may have had in your business, but before we go there, Let's talk about Quest itself. Uh, I know Quest can be found at yourquest.com. Mm -hmm. uh, is this a fully custom platform or does it run on a third-party uh, platform like software? The, the website itself? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's just a, a third-party. I've got His name is Roland Santos. He's uh, head of marketing for us and he, he built the website for us. So um, I'm guessing he used a third-party since we don't you know, build yeah. websites for everyone else. Um, but, uh, that's, that's one of my, uh, one, one thing, one of my weaknesses is you brought up the, the marketers, they would rather send a cold email than call. Um, I'd rather call than deal with websites and, and marketing and lead gen and posting and content. Um, so that's one thing that I've been trying to work on over the last, you know, six months is okay. Let me understand like WordPress and websites and analytics and SEO because, that goes way over my head, man. Like I just like to pick up the phone and smile and dial. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's, it's a good thing that you are like that because you can find a lot of the opposite uh, these days. Right. So if it's something that you're not really good at, or uh, you can actually hire somebody to do that job while being on the phone and dial and smile, it's actually something that you have to do and you know that you actually have to smile although <laughs> nobody's seeing you. Uh, that, that's hard to find. I find that very hard to find these days. Well, that's why I struggled answering your question because I'm like, man, let me go grab Roland so he can answer that question for you because he's, <laughs> he's an employee here and helps out with you know our website and our content yeah. and our videos and, and Facebook and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. The reason why I was asking is to find out kind of how you work because you are basically training people, people remotely right so i could be in canada and be your your client isn't that right well technically no because we only deal with us-based retirement accounts oh, yeah. so i believe okay. you guys use the rsps uh retirement savings plan yes. i believe um mm -hmm. so in america it's 401ks iras so you do have to have a plan like that set up and then 
um, we would get you on the phone with our team and, and over a series of phone calls, be able to lay everything out from A to Z. Okay. So it's more on the phone process. Yes. Kinda. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Yep. I know. I mean, I don't know what a self-directed retirement account, but I know, you know, so what is this? So a self-directed retirement account is an account that gives the owner of the account a lot more flexibility on where they can put their dollars. So let's take a step back. Most people are, are used to a traditional IRA or traditional 401k where it's, it's held at a company like Fidelity or Vanguard or Charles Schwab, you know, these big financial companies. Well, most retirement accounts, they're only giving you the ability to invest in stocks or mutual funds, the stock market. That, that's what the, the way our, our financial retirement account system is set up. But lately, there's been a big push, I would say probably the last five or 10 years, where people are starting to know more about a self-directed retirement account. And this isn't some secret retirement account that just came out. It's been around for decades. It's just a retirement account that gives Bob the choice to invest outside the stock market. He still can invest in the stock market, but it gives him the choice to access his retirement account dollars without paying the penalties and taxes. If he wanted to use that money to buy a piece of property, he could do that. If he wanted to use that money to fund his trucking business or his new restaurant, he could do that. If he wanted to use some of the retirement account money to pay off credit card debt that's charging 20%, he can do that with a self-directed account. He wow. can't do that with typical retirement accounts that us Americans have been ingrained in, in understanding as far as just a regular IRA with fidelity. Absolutely. That, that's fantastic. So it's like you own your own money, which it makes a perfect sense. Now it gives also Bob the opportunity to, uh, to make bad decisions, not, not the, the ones that they're making, making being made for him are the right ones. Uh, but basically he's the owner of his own money with one of these. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because that's why it's not talked about um, because there's no financial advisor in the picture. It's up to Bob to decide where to put his money. So these big financial companies, they don't want people to know about this account because that's going to remove money under their roof. And, and these big financial companies, they make money based off of assets under management. The more money that's in these accounts, the more fees they collect, the more money they make. So it's not in their best interest to talk about self-directed retirement accounts, to teach people about it because that goes against their business model. They're going to lose money that way. So yeah, that's one big difference with us is we don't sell investments. Um, we educate Americans on the vehicles, how a self-directed account works. And really, it's only going to make sense if, if there's a problem that you're looking to solve. Some people are completely content paying a bunch of fees, having a financial advisor manage their account and just be in stocks and mutual funds and bonds and ETFs. And hey, that, that's great. That works for some people. Other people they're tired of the stock market. They want to make their own choices. They, they feel they, they would rather have that money be in their control. That's where a self-directed account would serve them well. Nice, nice. It, you said something that uh, it made perfect sense. Of course, everything you said so far made sense. But when the money is being invested for them, they can get uh, four, between two and 4%. Is that correct, what they're getting? Well, it really just comes down to what they're invested in, right? I mean, there's some stocks, mutual funds that are making two, three, four, five percent a year. There's some that are making 20, 30% a year, 50% a year. It just really comes down to what they're picking and choosing. Um, so at the end of the day, it comes down to the vehicle is the IRA or 401k. And that vehicle can either be self-directed 
where they can pick and choose where to put their money or it's just traditional where the financial advisor picks and choose where the money goes. That's the vehicle. But to make the vehicle go, there's fuel, right? There's gas that that vehicle needs. And that gas could be Apple stock. It could be a mutual fund. It could be a real estate deal, you know, a, a multifamily complex or a single family residence, or it could be your own business. It could be an insurance product. So that, that's what distinguishes a self-directed account is it opens up the menu of fuel. You have more options. And you mentioned, uh, basically, you can pay off your own debt with that, mm-hmm. right? If you have mm-hmm. a 20% credit card right there, you're, you're making 20%. Uh, is, it, is it really that easy? You can just use it to pay your own debt? Yeah. I mean, a self-directed account, one thing that makes self-directed accounts unique is you can pull money out of the account without paying the penalties and taxes. You can't do that with an IRA at Fidelity. So just by virtue of being able with the self-directed account, being able to pull money out without paying the penalties and taxes, you can use that money however you want. If you want to use it to go on a vacation and go on a cruise and, and get more into debt, that's on you. But mm-hmm. if you want to use that money to pay off high interest rate credit card debt, you could do that too. Nice. Yeah, it's that easy. Very good. So... Let's let's talk about a, a, a business failure. Uh, what is one of the ones that kind of hurt you the most or taught you the most? You know, not because we were a small company, it, it was really easy to not have structure. It was easy to not have, you know, scheduled meetings with an agenda. Mm-hmm. And it was easy to not focus on culture so much. It was easy to have people wearing too many hats. And it's easy to get results doing that because when you only have three, four, five, six, seven people, you almost have to wear different hats. You can get away without structure. You can get away without having scheduled meetings with an agenda, you know, with accountability. Um, so one of, one of the things that I regret is, is not implementing structure and culture sooner. Um, if I would have done that sooner, we'd be farther ahead. That's on me. Uh, as a business owner, it's so easy to just fail because you're working in your business versus on your business. It's so easy for me to get caught up talking to Bob on the phone, you know, selling and forgetting working on the business, developing the team. Um, When we have expenses, right? Every business has expenses. Your employees, they're not expenses. They're an investment. And you need to really get the most out of them and inspire them and teach them, educate them. Because they're the ones that, uh, you know, are, are really carrying the company. I wouldn't have this without them. So um, failure, not delegating soon enough and, and being um, a better leader in terms of empowering them and uh, not having structure soon enough. And all of that leads to culture. There, there's a, a reason why the most successful companies out there have just super, super, super good culture. You know, everyone knows what everyone's doing. Everyone has core processes. Everyone is rowing the boat together. Mm-hmm. And if, if you don't get that kind of stuff in, in place, that culture in place, it's going to be really easy to do good, especially in an economy like this. But we all know a, a recession is going to come, right? We all know the economy is going to tighten up. So how is your business going to do that? Do you consider yourself a good leader? I don't mean the leader that everybody likes. Yeah. I mean a good leader. Um. I'm, I'm really hard on myself. So that's a, it's a tough question, man. I'm going to say I'm an okay leader. Um, naturally I've always been 
I think one reason why I'm in the position I am today, um, I've always ran teams. I've always been in management, um, owned the company for a while now, but it started when I played sports. You know, I was always the captain of every team I played on. I might not have been the best, but I was always the captain. It just worked out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of some of my experience and where I am today, I call myself an okay leader, but man, I'm only 29 years old. I, I didn't grow up with a father that owned a business or a mom that owned a business. No one really in my family owned business. I didn't come from money. Um, so at, at the end of the day, I, I feel like I have so much to grow. Uh, when I went to the Inc 5000 conference in San Antonio to get our award, I was having dinner and I remember this, like it was yesterday, I was having dinner with them and I'm sitting next to a couple CEOs, CEO to the left of me, they did 60 million in revenue the year before CEO to the right of me, did like 120 million revenue. And here I am with my peanuts, 2 million. Mm. I wanted to leave right there. I'm like, man, I need to leave and just go to work. Um, so I know those guys that are doing that. Their, their leadership skills are just top notch. You don't get to that point in business without being a superb leader. So uh, I got a lot, a lot to improve on as far as you know my my leadership. I love that answer, Daniel, because you know you can improve. And if you would have said yes, I, I'm the best, automatically uh, people assume yeah, you you're not the best because you're not willing to to accept that there's so much to learn every single day. So that tells me that you are going to improve and you're working on improving every single time. So congratulations. And that's, that was the best answer. Yeah. I loved it. Thanks, man. Thanks. It's being transparent. I I wish I could say I was a 10. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So Daniel, before we go, I want to ask you if you are a book reader. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my, uh, one of my goals. Um, I got my goals on my phone. So every time I, I turn my phone on, I got my goals right there. Um, that was another place I failed. I, I didn't invest a whole lot in education and, and self-development. So probably last year and every year before, um, I would only read like maybe one or two books a year, if that. Um, now I'm averaging about three a month. And uh, I, I've noticed a huge difference. I started doing that last summer. So I'm almost a year of doing that. And uh, so to answer your question, uh, yes now, but not before. Yeah, no, I, I understand completely because for a period of about 20 years, I didn't touch one, not one, because I, I kept blaming my, my lack of focus and the fact that I can, and it's true, I, when, I, when I grab a book and I look at a book, I start by the top, next thing I know, I'm reading the next page without even, I just lose myself. So now yeah. the last few years I started getting into audiobooks and I oh, yeah. can do I can do four or five a month and it's almost like a healthy addiction, right? Because it, learning is is fantastic. It is, man. That's uh that's been really critical for me because I don't even listen to music so much anymore. Yeah. I'm with you. It's it's an audiobook, you know. So uh that's really it's given me a lot of insight and in, uh being able to take what I learned from these books. Cause they're typically leadership books, you know, business, yes. business books. And, you know, I, I find ways, how can I apply it to my life? How can I apply it to my personal, my business life? Awesome. What was one of the best? Um, I would say traction uh, by Gino Wickman. And uh, mm-hmm. that, that book really opened my eyes in terms of culture, company culture. And, and, and as a leader, you have to really, really be clear on your vision and you have to be so clear that everyone in the building knows the vision because if they don't know the vision, then, probably not going to give you hundred percent, you know, we're all on a team together. We got to know what's the direction of this team. What are we trying to do? Um, so the book traction is, is a really, really good book in terms of, uh, I think anybody that's listening to this, this podcast right now, if you've got 
two, three, four, five employees and above, um, Traction is a really, really good book in terms of uh, running an efficient, successful company. There, I already wrote it down. I'm going to put it on the show notes and so we can check that out because I didn't know about that one. Perfect. Then it'll let everybody know if they want to get a hold of you and if they want to learn from Quest Education, how can they find you? Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned earlier, our website, YourQuest, so yourquest.com. Got a lot of videos up there and uh, that would be a place where if you're interested in speaking with my team, um, you can uh, fill out a form and uh, we would give you a phone call to start giving you some education, start helping you out. Um, you can reach out to me directly. My office line is 702-843-5430. And uh, again, that's 702-843-5430. I, out of all the platforms, um, I use Facebook the most. As I talked about earlier, I'm a newbie in social media. So I just jumped on it for the first time last summer. At first, I'm like, man, I want to do Twitter. I want to do Facebook. I want to do LinkedIn. But you know, as they say, less is more. You need to really dial down, dial in. Where are you putting your attention? Where are you focusing on? So it's, it's, it's Facebook for me. Perfect. And for those of you that are driving and don't have a pen, uh, don't try to type it in your phone right now. You can ask Siri to record it for you or pull over and you can check on the show notes because I'll put it on the show notes for you. All right. So Daniel, thank you very much for being here and congratulations on your huge success. Quinn, thank you so much. I appreciate being here on the show. It was a pleasure. Thanks for subscribing to Fail Fast Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and visit failfastpodcast.com for show notes, Quinn's social media, or even to tell us your story.